What's wrong with you people? Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast, and we are glad that you were able to enjoy the Potluck Podcast. Uh, They returned on Tuesday with a great episode with Willie McLaurin, the uh, interim EC CEO and president. Did I get that right, Kyle? Did I get that right? I believe that's correct. Uh, Close enough. Close enough. But they had a great episode. If you missed that, you should go back and listen to their episode. I promise you will be encouraged. But a question, Kyle. Yeah. What does faithful Christian living look like? in an increasingly post-Christian world. The Worldview Sessions are a new event designed to help youth, parents, and student ministry leaders to help answer that question. This year, the Worldview Sessions will focus on questions surrounding gender and sexuality. So Kyle, nothing possible to cancel anybody at that event, but teenagers will be equipped to live their calling as Christ followers in an increasingly post-Christian world. Parents will be trained to guide their children through questions surrounding gender and sexuality, and student leaders will be assisted in developing strategies for discipling young people in these challenging times. And so this is presented by Youth Ministry Lab and Texas Baptist College. And the Worldview Sessions will take place on Southwestern Seminary's campus in Fort Worth, Texas, March 31st through April Fool's Day. No fooling here, but we would love for you to be there at that. And you can find out more at swibbits.edu forward slash worldview. Kyle Bierman, it's been cold in Texas. Yes. Yes. This has been. Um, so, so man, my kids, like, I, I, I'm turning into that grumpy old man, you know, welcome my day. We didn't cancel school for, they got two days off last year. So far, they've gotten two days off this year, plus a host of delays. And, and I'll be honest, I'm, I'm enjoying my days at home with my children. It's great. Um, but I'm a little bitter that they're, that they're getting snow days, ice days. We, we didn't, we didn't get that. We just, you know. I had to go to school 10 miles in the snow uphill both ways. <laughs> yeah. There. Yeah. I, I, I just remember we had to get up early in the morning and watch the TV, the little ticker at the bottom and just wait and wait and wait for grand Prairie to scroll across the screen. And inevitably it was going to be 10 AM start. Like it, it didn't matter. Yeah. There could have been 10 feet of snow over everything. It was going to be delayed 10 to 10 a.m. all the time. Like we we were going to get that Texas money for, for education, whether anybody could come or not. Uh, but, but now, like, <laughs> I wanted to reply to some of these texts because all of the girls' teachers will text. We'll get the blast from the school text. We'll get the notification on Facebook text. We'll get everything. And they've, like, made the decision. A month ago, it's wild that they're like we're going to be off uh, for for this ice apocalypse, and and then like all the coaches will send the messages, and and then first Farmersville is going to send the messages, and I'm like, I get it. There's an inch of ice on the road. Nobody's <laughs> moving anywhere, and yeah, uh, and so yeah. so yeah, we've we've had uh, this is Friday, um, 
we're recording this though on Thursday morning. As of right now, they're going to school tomorrow or today. Yeah. I don't really know if that's going to happen because each day it's been usually by eleven o'clock. They're like, "Yeah, tomorrow's canceled again," and so it looks like well, and and also and and for our folks who are listening anywhere north of say Oklahoma, and and who are thinking, "Are, are you kidding? Like you canceled school?" And there, there's there's two things that you need to be aware of. For one, generally speaking, Texas does not have the equipment to handle major ice like we, we just we, we have we don't some even have the electricity to salt do. trucks yeah <laughs> we, we have some salt and cinder trucks but nothing like say new mexico right where i mean you're going to get that on a regular basis up in the mountains um secondly and and more importantly no one here knows how to drive once ice or snow enter into the equation i would like, add even rain <laughs> yeah that's true that's true. When when you're driving down like the freeway and it's raining, you know, and, and even like a heavy downpour, you know, like you slow down a little bit. Inevitably, there's somebody still flying 80 miles an hour and you got your windshield wipers on. Yeah, Matt is the guy. <laughs> We're, you know, to live is Christ, to die is gain, baby. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, enough so, about the so basically, yeah, if it, if, it gets, if it gets super cold, we cancel. That's That's yeah. how it works here. Well, the pod is not canceled, but this conversation is. We're going to move on to continue our series through Why Churches Die, this time with part two. That is a pattern of forced terminations. This is from an article written by your boss, uh, Bob Bickford, Bobo Bickford, at uh, the NAM Replant blog. And uh, so we're going to talk a little bit today about a pattern of forced terminations. Now, if if you haven't been forcibly forced to terminate thyself, uh, been forced to resign, um, bad news, you probably will, because of all pastors, 23 to 41% will experience a forced termination at least once in their career. So if it hasn't happened yet, we don't want to scare you, but but it may one day happen. And in 2012, a Lifeway sur- survey in partnership with the Baptist State Convention leaders identified 452 pastors and staff members who succumbed to a non-voluntary or a self-initiated separation from the church they served. Non, non-self-initiated. Non-self-initiated. So yeah, it wasn't theirs. And then it's estimated that over the years of their vocational services, four out of 10 pastors will be forced out of their church by firing or some sort of pressure that leads to their eventual resignation. That's not just annoying members, but but ultimately that pressure that is pushing you out the door. Like, you know, maybe we can't uh, fire you, but we can freeze you out by turning off the, you know, the gas at your your parsonage. Um, That has happened, by the way, not to me, not to Kyle, but... That has been known to happen. There are ways that churches will get their point across that they want you to pack your back. So 40%, basically, let's just say 40%, it's going to happen, has happened, will happen, whatever. Uh, This is something that is going to happen. But sometimes that becomes a regular pattern in a particular church. It's one thing, maybe you hired Kyle Bierman and you're like, man, that was a mistake. And and you, you try and force them out and, and then get back to business. But if this becomes a regular pattern, 
this is one of the reasons that churches die. So, Kyle, let's talk about this a little bit. Um, first off, have you ever been forced to or pressured to resign? No, no, never have. Uh, well, not not yet at this point in my ministry. I'm calling um, Kevin Azell right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> put the squeeze on you. No, I have I, I have I have not been pressured or uh, or forced out. Okay, I I have not as a pastor as a staff member. Yes, uh, but uh, but one of the things that that the problem with this, of course is that this usually reveals, if there's a pattern, certainly, if there's some yeah. internal conflict, uh, maybe that predated the pastor. It's not like just suddenly that happened. It could. But if this is a pattern, there's some internal conflict, so maybe gatekeepers at work or, or some turf wars being fought that maybe this guy is siding with one side, we're going to push him out, whatever it might be. Uh, but but usually this happens and becomes a pattern. So let's let's talk about that a little bit. Kyle, talk to us about forced termination specifically a pattern of them and why that's so damaging to a church. Yeah. So, you know, we need to say from the beginning that there are reasons to terminate a pastor or a staff member. Um, there are ethical reasons. Um, if, if he's preaching heresy, there, there are reasons. And so if, if that has happened once, maybe twice in your church's history, um, th- those are things to look at and consider and figure out how they happened. But if you're talking like, you know, the last four pastors were all terminated or um, or pressured to resign. That's a pattern, and you've got to ask them questions because typically, what that means, as you mentioned, is that there is a there's a power group who gets upset with something, and and it's probably nothing theological. It's nothing, um, you know, ethical or moral. It's just they the 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 pastor change something and um and it was time to go i I, I know one guy this would have been years and years and years ago um but he was in a church that saw themselves as kind of a starter church for preachers okay so they're they're kind of typical um pastoral tenure was about three years and 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 he said he knew, you know, looking back, like it was three years, three years, three years, three years. Well, he stayed four. And what had happened is he broke the unwritten rule and stayed too long. And so um, what had happened, the, the way the church handled this, and this was like an unwritten rule, is they started designating their tithes into like a designated fund. And so what that did is it showed on the balance sheet that they're giving was dropping. And they used that to get him, they didn't fire him, but they did use it to kind of push him along. Um, and and yeah, there was just a pattern of this. And so oftentimes what happens? Um, you have secret meetings, um, whisper, whisper campaigns, anonymous letters, um, emails to, you know, uh, pastor, I need to talk with you. And it's a, it's a one-off and here's everything that you're, that you're doing that we don't like. Um, you know, sometimes there's a special called business meeting to, to ask the pastor over whatever, but, but if there's a pattern of these, obviously that, ex- that ex- exposes an unhealthy, um, uh, an unhealthy, trend in the in the church's life and it's you, you can't sustain a church like that because some people are going to love a pastor right 
And so if he's forced out, um, there are people who will be upset over that. So you'll have typically um, arguments and factions and, and people that leave the church. I mean, it just, it's, there's so much unhealthiness that comes when this is a pattern in the life of the church. Yeah. And, uh, and I know a church that in, in the past two decades or so, they had a long tenured pastor. And, uh, and then in the last two decades, I think they are about to be on their 11th or perhaps 12th pastor, not including all the interims that would come in in between, most of them lasting less than a year or right after a year, you know, that kind of thing. Once they started to maybe make some waves, make some change, start, you know, exercising a little bit of leadership, they kind of shut that down. So it became a pattern. And in a very thriving, you know, area, uh, you know, all of this area, you know, Collin County, all of that kind of stuff is is thriving. Um, people moving here in the droves, uh, it still is kind of at or behind where it was 20 years ago, because this is just a, a pattern that they're going to have. And until they break that kind of a pattern, which we're going to talk about next, it's just going to continue. It's kind of one of those things like it, it's almost like the reverse of this. The pastors that quit too soon, that maybe you get a little pushback and you're like, I'm out, you know, two years. Yeah. It becomes easier to do that again and again and again. And it becomes a cycle until you finally can break that that cycle. And so for for the church caught in this, it doesn't mean that you need to close your doors. Uh, it means you need to break that cycle. And so if you're listening to this or, you know, a church that is struggling with this, uh, there, there are some ways that you can do a few things or some things that you can do to maybe break this cycle, to break this chain and keep your church ultimately from dying. Uh, because that's the inevitable result, result of a church that continues down this spiral. So number one, you need to address the wrongs committed to pastors and their families who were undeserving of a forced termination. Repent and publicly apologize and make restitution where appropriate, uh, right? This might mean doing the hard thing of true repentance, of calling, bringing whatever that let not not necessarily bringing them back on staff that might be a road too far but but saying hey we screwed up and we've screwed up for a while and going back and making that right and uh, that might be helping them that might be a letter that might be true gospel centered repentance and making that wrong right again so address what you did wrong you know it's one of those you can't just move on from it you've got to address it call it repent from it number 2 Kyle Remove what? Remove those who are involved in or instigated unfounded and unreasonable forced terminations from leadership positions within the church. Now, this this could get really difficult. So if you're talking about a personnel committee chairman, um, in some cases deacons or even deacon chairman, but but if they have um if they have instigated these things and I would add are unrepentant, right? So they don't say, hey, look, we messed up. We should not have done that. Um, then, then yeah, those people do not need to be in those positions of leadership anymore. Yeah. All right. Number three, address those informal campaigns to force the pastor out through biblically based and bylaw supported church discipline. Just because you don't like what they say, um, that that's not the, this isn't the path. This isn't just for 
if you find somebody that's that's critical of a pastor's sermon or something he's done, that's going to happen. This isn't just where you wield church discipline like a hammer. This is for those that with that pattern of trying to force out that pastor of using bylaw supported. It's going to need to be there, uh, but bylaw supported church discipline. Uh, where we go to them, you know, we don't have to go in, into all the church discipline. That's a whole nother uh, episode that we could dig into. Uh, but follow the path laid out in your bylaws. It ultimately may remove them from your church and maybe remove them from that situation altogether. And then finally, what's that last one, Kyle? Yeah, make note of the actions taken against those informal campaigns and church business meetings so you have a record of it. So it's it's on the congregational record, right? So if you had to address a secret meeting that took place um, to try to out the pastor that was outside the the bounds of what the bylaws allow for, um, then yeah, you need to address that in a business meeting, make sure it's in the minutes so that it's part of the official record. Um, and, and, I, and I would add, I would add one more thing too. So if you are, um, if you are kind of on the, um, if you're in this situation, right, where you are um, being being forced out informally, right, just through pressure or or even maybe facing that formally, um, you you need an advocate. You need somebody to come in and help moderate that. That in most cases that would be your AMS uh, or your director of missions, um, someone from the association, um, or someone from the state convention could come in and handle that as well. But you need someone who's going to hold the church to their bylaws. And make sure that things are done above board and in a proper way. And can I add, don't wait too long for that. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes you're you're at a point, usually what I found is when when I'm called or I know one of my DOM friends are called for a mediation at a church or some conflict resolution is what they usually want it's a little too, too far gone. It, yeah. It's kind of like when we're as pastors and we get that couple that come to us that, that their marriage is on the rocks that, you know, yes, you know, there, there can be restoration. Yes, there can be all of that. Um, but often something has happened or, or a cycle has begun or, or whatever that puts it almost too far to repair or at least too hard for some to try to repair. And that's yeah. what I find is sometimes I get called a little bit too late. And sometimes just way too late. And it's like, I'm just yeah. trying to help get the guy severance. And, and that's what it kind of becomes. And so you don't want yeah. that because here's the other thing to remember. Your DOM probably knows and knows the pattern yeah. at your church and is going to typically be the one that's going to send you a lot of resumes. And unless he has something out against a pastor out there, he isn't sending you somebody that's good necessary. I mean, I'm going to obviously be faithful, all that kind of stuff, but I'm going to think twice before I send a resume to somebody that I love and respect and know will do a good job. If he's just going to be chewed up and spit out, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and so that's, that's something to remember too. And, and the other side of that is also this, um, if you are in this situation, the easy thing to do will be to cut and run. Right. To to say, I mean, I can't I don't want to deal with this. Um, even let them let them handle that. I, I'm not saying that's never the right answer, because the, depending on your family and the, the stresses that you're under, that may be the right answer. But. Oftentimes, these patterns will not be broken until someone stands up to this system, because if you if you cut and run, 
they're go, they're mo- most likely going to do the same thing to the next guy and the next guy. And in some cases, the best possible thing that you can do for the life of that church is to stand up and say, this is not how this is going to go. This is not how we're going to handle this. And that's where that mediator comes in um, who can hold them to their bylaws and make sure that in, in the event that you, you know, you try to break the, um, break this cycle. Uh, but in the event that they do terminate you, that they, that they're held to what their bylaws say regarding severance. Um, but also you want to do everything you can to break this unhealthy cycle of forced terminations. Uh, and that means, I mean, that, that may mean that it's awful for a while. Um, but if you can get through that and you can break that and you can get the right people in leadership with the right attitudes and the, and <laughs> who are, who are real believers who understand and who understand the gospel and, and want to see the church grow in understanding of the gospel, um, that can change the trajectory of the church, but it takes someone to say, no, this, this is not going to happen this way this time. That obviously comes with it. Some caveats. Uh, you know, there, sure. there, there are lines in which it is best for you, you, your, your life, um, not just your livelihood, but your family to cut and run. And uh, that's, that's where you need some other godly counsel in, in your corner. Um, I, I left a church um, statistically on the too soon side, um, though we had experienced growth and, and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, but it was very toxic and very difficult on on me, my spiritual health, my mental health, all of that, and uh, and I had a multitude of of advisors, and and many of them were encouraging me to to consider moving on, and that was hard for me because you know pride, all of that kind of stuff. I wanted to be the guy to kind of break that chain, and and I was going to stand up to them and all of that kind of stuff and resist. So so be careful there. There, there's a balance there to be had of, of not leaving too soon and, and kind of keeping that church in the cycle, but also not having a Messiah complex thinking you can fix it all just by, you know, being hard nosed and stubborn and you ultimately ruin your family and, and everything else. So, so just be careful. That's where some wisdom and some counsel is going to be necessary. You can get that from your AMS, other pastors in the convention, other area pastors or former pastors of that church um, and, uh, and so forth. But We've kind of, I think, run this into the ground. Pastor, if you're in one of these uh, situations and you feel like you're being forced out or it's just really difficult, whatever, know that we're in your corner. You can reach out to us on uh, Twitter, Facebook, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, On Twitter, I'm at M. Hensley, H-E-N-S-L-E-E. Kyle is at Kyle Beerman. Just try and figure it out. It's not beer, man. It's like B-U-E-E-R-M-A-N-N or something. Um, but the right. find yeah. us on on the Twitters. Uh, send us a message. We would love to kind of walk with you or connect you with somebody that can walk through some of this stuff with you. Um, but uh, but lean in on the relationships that you have with your AMS, your DOM area, you know your your state uh, leaders, your area pastors, all of that, uh, and and have some people in your corner. Um, so maybe you can help your church break that pattern if you're in it. And if you're a member of one of these churches. Bless your pastor. There's probably somebody else in your church that maybe you don't even know about. But if you hear those whispers, stop them. Stop them in their tracks. Um, if if you don't, you don't know, your, your pastor needs another friend. I promise you. Reach out. Take them to coffee. No agenda other than to bless his socks off. Okay, Kyle, send us out.
Yep, absolutely. Thanks for listening. And until next time, may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel you declare. What's wrong with you people?